This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the Dort Podcast. It's the Dort Podcast. Rich Keith. It's the Dort Podcast. It's the Hashtag Dort Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Hashtag Dork. My name is Rich Keefe, and I am joined by Ryan Davey. Davey's back. How are you, sir? Feels good to be back, Rich. Great to have you back. Davey uh, is coming to us via Google Hangout this week. <laughs> no, I'm not. You wish. You bastard. Let me, let me start out by saying. Oh, here we go. Now, I had a little bit of a, a, bit of a meltdown. And bit of a dust-up. A bit of a kerfuffle. There was a kerfuffle. I don't want to relive all of it. You can go to um, YouTube.com slash dork podcast I have a little bit of a rant but last week many of you listened to the episode and thank you for doing so we had a little bit of a scheduling snafu the only way we could do it was via google hangout i was out of town monday tuesday wednesday wasn't in the studio couldn't record there so shark and i did it via google hangout then i put it in on thursday and the, the, the connection wasn't great it wasn't studio quality and people but you know they're kind of they're saying hey, this isn't great but then we got one filthy coward on itunes who left us a two-star review. Now, Ryan, I take a lot of pride in this podcast. I know you do as well. And to see a two-star review just really hurt, and really based off of one episode. We've done over 100 episodes, and this prick sees one that he didn't think it sounded great, and he made some snide comment about how I got like a recorder to do a book report with my friend. And this guy, his name is Chuck Teets. I'm going to put his name out there. It's Chuck Teets. He gave us a two-star review, and you can't take it down. It's up there forever, and I, I feel like he kind of screwed us a little bit. I feel like it, he did, too, and I, I saw the YouTube rant. I saw the review. Black Panther was very upset Oh, really? at that, so much so that he didn't even want to read it. He's not, he's no. not even going to be here. He's like, you know, uh, screw that guy. Look what you right? did. Chuck, Chuck Teets. Chuck Teets. So now he's out, you craven. <laughs> you absolute Twitter egg anonymous coward is what you are. Yes. Show yourself. Present yourself to us, Chuck Teets. Two stars. And the other thing, if it was such a shit sandwich, why why, why wouldn't it be one star? That, that doesn't make sense. I think oh, that's sense. just a knife twister. You know what Isn't I mean? It? Yeah, like, it makes you think about it. Like, I, I see five is like, you know, we're a five. Let's be honest with ourselves. We're a five. Well, we I mean, be I'm a biased, six. but whatever. We should be a six. It's Infinity Stone scale, but the iTunes doesn't do Infinity Stones. They do stars, one through five. Right. I, I think we're and a four, five. Yeah. Four is like, you guys are good, but here's what I, you should work on. Fine. Yeah. Yeah, we three. got we got one of those too. By the way, that guy's a dumb prick too. Yeah, three. You're you're average. You're an average podcast. If people think we're average, that's fine. Yeah. One, you're like you guys suck. He's like one's the lowest you can get, right? One is the worst. Yeah. But a two. Like, two. Like, go what fuck we, yourself. Yeah, Chuck Teets. Yeah. We have a growing list of rivals, by the way. Chuck Teets, Matt Schaub, the lady from Comic Con. <laughs> <laughs> But everybody else, hey. we, we've gotten some positive feedback since then. I think a lot of people are anti-Chuck Teets now. So thanks for rallying behind us, although that is a blemish that cannot be uh, undone. And so we're going to have to live with that. We're going to have to wear that two-star review. Maybe we should wear, 
we should make some sort of shirt that says something about a two star review. It just, no, just put like two, two stars. like two out of five stars, and then put it in quotes, and then underneath for Chuck Teats. Chuck Teats was here. What a what a bastard. So we'll try to do better. I don't know if the equipment sounds better or not. I don't know. I feel like the studio, by the way, doesn't even have great quality. But regardless, let's let's move on from that. Are you ready to start? I'm I'm excited about this show this week. There's a lot I of good stuff. I'm so excited. Go go do it. Of course, we're going to get to Spider-Man here in a second, but Ryan, this week in Dork, how about uh, since the last time we talked, the next DC animated movie, well, first of all, the next one is going to be Batman and Harley Quinn. That is out August the 29th, but there is word that the next one after that might be Batman Gotham by Gaslight. Ooh. This is exciting. This is, if you haven't read this one, this is, might have been a pick of the podcast a while ago. This is an world story where DC, they would do some of these stories where it doesn't take place in any of the continuities. It's not, you know, New 52 or prior to that or Rebirth or anything like this. This takes place in the 1800s, the late 1800s, yep. Batman versus Jack the Ripper. It's cool. It's, it's a good time. So I would recommend Gotham by Gaslight. And written by Hellboy's Mike Mignola. Ooh, that's a nice, so, that's a nice nugget. It's a nice little nugget, huh? That is a good nugget. How about this? Stranger Things Season 2. Initially, we thought it was going to be out on Halloween. Turns out it's going to be out a few days earlier, October the 27th. They also had a new poster that came out today, or at least the day that we're recording this. And that looks that kind of ominous, I would say. It does, doesn't it? Storm's coming. And did you notice a creature sort of inside the storm clouds? Oh, I didn't, oh, but I'm going to look at it now. So we tweeted that bad boy out, at Dork Podcast. You can check us out yeah. there. It looks like one of the creatures from The Mist, and it looks nasty. Ooh. Yeah, the, the kids are all on their bikes, entering Hawkins, and so I am i can't wait for that. Or leaving, you know, depending on where, how you're looking at it. You know what I mean? Uh, are you coming or are you going, huh? Exactly. Huh, Chuck Teats? Well, it says welcome to Hawkins, so it looks like they're going anyway. Huh, Chuck Teats, you soulless bastard? All right, um... Nelson Ellis, I have some bad news here in This Week in Dork. Yeah. And what I'm doing, uh, you know, last time you talked to us, you had a death in the pick of the podcast, which I thought was odd. I am putting a death in This Week in Hashtag Dork because it's news, Ryan. That would be Nelson Ellis, the guy who played Lafayette in True Blood, who might be one of the great characters of all time. I know that's kind of hyperbole, but I loved that character. I really liked that show. It got a little slappy by the end. Yeah. But I like that show. He was a really good character. He had heart complications, died at the age of 39, which is really young. And, and so, I'm, yeah, I'm told, yeah, yeah uh, alcohol-related, so I'm told. So, and, oh, right, you know, why would you have to go there? Because it's important for our younger viewers out there to know that they are not invincible, Richard, that these things happen to real people. You know what I mean? And this week in Dork brought to you by Idle Hands, your place for fun. <laughs> no, son of a bitch. <laughs> Just classless. Um, no, I'm classless. No, no, Please. me. No, me. Me. Oh, me, yeah. Me, me, oh, me. yeah. Um, yeah, real sad. And uh, another, well, while, we're, while we're doing deaths. Um, oh, God. R.I.P. No, Miss, Miss, Mrs. Joan Lee also left us. That's know, this, right. This week. The I, wife of Stan Lee. That's right. At the, she was 93. She wasn't 39. She was a she bit was, older. Uh, yeah. Also, they were saying alcohol related for her. <laughs> no, that's terrible. Come on. She was actually at a rave doing <laughs> doing designer drugs. 
We'll we'll clean all that up in post. Don't worry. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll clean that up. up. That's that. We're getting a little blue. We're working a little blue today. So, right, I have a couple of video game news and nuggets, but you might know what mine are. Are those included in in your video game minute? I see this as a bit of a dovetail. So you you mention it, and then we'll hit it, and we'll get we'll get a little bit more into it. All right, a couple of things first. There's going to be a new character in Overwatch already available on the PC called Doomfist. It's going to be an offensive character, a guy, a gentleman with a really big fist. Uh, think Iron Fist, but hopefully better than that. And they've already shown you some of the gameplay. Looks pretty sweet. Uh, Wes from the Boxers was telling me he looks kind of like he kind of runs through the the map kind of like Genji in a way, but then has like this huge thumping fist. Um, and also speaking of Overwatch news, uh, Robert Kraft among the many investors into an Overwatch League, which is pretty badass and a game that's been out for over a year. And I feel like I'm playing it. Maybe more now than I've than I've ever been. The game just keeps on uh, keeps on giving. And I would just like to say, because I know Mr. Kraft is listening, we are available uh, yes, we, as yes, as sir. free agents, uh, but we are a bit of a package deal. So, yep, we got a we got a know. crew. We have a, we have a bit of a crew right now. We technically have six. We've never played all six together, so that might be a bit of an issue. But we will we will figure it out. Are you we'll ready? Are you ready for your minute now? Hit me, baby. It's time for Davey's Video Game Minute. Even if it takes more than a minute. All right, give it to us. All right, let's do it. So just to bring it up. So Doomfist, that, that is kind of the big news. Uh, and I was sad that I wasn't around last week to when this news broke to put it on the podcast. I know we're kind of a, a week late with this. I know. Maybe half a week. Maybe. maybe. That's um, all right. So it's kind of a big this. This is the character. You know, we've gotten Arissa, we've gotten Sombra, we've gotten characters that are that have been free DLC as they promised. But Doomfist was the one that has always been rumored, and we've been waiting for this one for since the game came out. Basically, they've been talking about Doomfist and so on and so forth. Um, seen some initial gameplay and how to play him, and saw some tutorials and all that stuff. And it looks like um, he's going to be pretty popular for a little for a while. Um, so. If you're into Overwatch, um, that is something you should absolutely check out, and you probably will. Yes. Um, the other thing that came out last week was uh, the Castlevania TV. I know this is the video game minute, but so it is a video game. Oh, I haven't so seen it yet. Have you been watching that? I watched the first two episodes. So the first season's only four episodes. Oh, perfect. But it's a, the first two episodes are set up, so it's like, you know, what, what the hell are we doing? You know what I mean? Oh, like, really? Mm. Yeah. But How so long they've are already they? written. They're a half hour. Oh, okay. So they've already renewed it for another eight episodes. So, oh, nice. So that's so that's the good news is that this one might be a little like, come on, you know what I mean? Get there. Um. So so that's great, and it's written by Warren Ellis, who's like, if you've ever read oh, yeah, any of his sure. books, he's he is just kind of a uh, his. I read one of his novels called Crooked Little Vein, just totally off the wall. So at him writing this is 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 a good move for them. Uh, good news for you, Richard. Oh, I love good news. Today, as of today, uh-huh. Sub Zero is a a playable character in Injustice Two. Woo! Nice. So Sub Zero is coming to Injustice Two, and there are rumors since they they've tweeted this stuff out before. They talking about Mortal Kombat and Injustice, and they're like, yeah. And they, they put it to a, a poll, and they said, yes, we want this. They asked if they wanted, um, if the fans wanted Watchmen characters in Injustice. Holy smokes! And the rumor is that the very first one of those will be Doctor Manhattan will be a playable character in in Injustice. Wow, that's so that's that's that, news. That's badass. That is pretty yep. good. 
And the last thing I just wanted to mention, because I don't think we give this uh, this console enough love on this podcast. The is Sega the Saturn. Sw- the Sega Saturn. <laughs> Sega CD. Um, the Nintendo Switch is strong right now. Yes. Um, and they released uh, Splatoon 2. Is coming. It's either came out. I don't have a Switch, obviously. Um, but Splatoon 2 is coming out, which is a huge game. But they have this game that's getting traction. Uh, it's called Arms. <laughs> okay. Um, which is basically, think of like Punch-Out and Splatoon, but like you have like these extendable, extendable like punching arms. Okay. And it's getting like a lot of traction in the way Overwatch did, where it's a very simple game, but the it has this inherent depth that make it like ridiculously fun and playable. So stuff. So if you have a Switch and you haven't picked up arms yet, this is something in the gaming community that's actually getting legs. All right. Um, and Nintendo um, is is continuing to put out strong showings. And the last thing I'll mention, I was supposed to mention this with Castlevania. Ooh. The showrunner for Castlevania, his next, he wants his next project to be a dark Metroid series. Oh my God! I don't know about so, that. I don't know about that either, but you know this guy. This if you've seen this guy, he's 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 kind of weird looking. So well, you it, miss hundred percent right of the shots you don't take. I've always exactly. I've always said. All right, Ryan, are you ready for the topic du jour? Oh, what's that, Richard? That's the topic of the day, Ryan. I almost skipped right past that because I'm so excited. Go. I can't wait. This is exciting. So Spider-Man: Homecoming, and of course, with every movie and TV show that we review, we do spoiler-free at the beginning. And then we'll get to spoiler full. So spoiler free for the first several minutes here, Ryan. Spider-Man Homecoming, I ask you with all these films, simply, did you like it? I absolutely did. Nice. That is great to hear. And I'll tell you who also liked it. A couple of people in the theater with me. It was a packed house. I think I went on Saturday. I didn't see it opening night, but I went on Saturday and I saw it. Completely full theater. And I would say for the last couple of years, especially since we've been doing the podcast, all of the comic book movies, all the Star Wars movies, I see on the first movie and I see, you know, where the, the whole theater is full. And so this was the same scenario, but never, ever have I had two people as annoying as I had in here. One was in a row in front of me, like five seats to the right, and one person was way behind me. And you mentioned how Stan Lee's uh, poor wife passed away recently. Yep. So th- this isn't a spoiler, but Stan Lee's obviously in this. He's in every goddamn movie. There was a scene with Stan Lee in it. And it was kind of quiet. He yells like at Peter Parker or whatever. The person like two rows behind me goes, oh, like, so it had nothing to do with the character or the, or the role that he was playing, but it was more, yeah, we're all aware that his wife just passed away and you had to moan about it. Now we had only that this, this was shot like a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay, we see him and he, he can't hear your, your moan or your groan or whatever it was. And then we had the guy in front of me who must've clapped several times like something that he liked he would just clap for like a while and you're like no you don't stop clapping for fuck's sake it's not the end of the movie which i also think is stupid to do but even that you're like all right you're, you're clapping i'm not sure why it's on a play but if you want to clap right now go for it but during the during the goddamn thing and he was like he had like a laugh that you thought was fake but you, you know you know what i mean like he was trying to like get a get a rise out of other people i don't know so that yeah, yeah. anyway i also like the movie but there love of the movie started to make me dislike the movie a little bit but that's that's a me problem that's that's not anything else <laughs> so i guess i i would probably know the answer to this rye but w- one of the knocks i had going into this was that they, they had so many trailers i i felt like i saw everything in the movie if you really just mash mash it all up in your head 
you would have seen everything. Did you feel like there was enough other stuff from the trailers in this movie? Yo, absolutely. I mean, there there were some things in the movie that you think you've seen the whole thing, and then you don't. Right. You know, there's there's enough wrinkles, as we would call them in football, you know, where you think you you know the play, and there's, like, one thing that's different, and like it changes that. the whole thing. Option route, there, et cetera. Yeah, so there's there's a wrinkle. Anytime you think, oh, I know it's coming, there's something there for you, which I thought was one of the brilliant parts of this movie. Yeah, and I think some of the stuff, like, it didn't, like, the real important plot points, uh, to me, weren't spoiled in the movie. Like, there was some cool stuff in the movie that you didn't realize. They, they weren't spoiled in the trailers, I mean, where even though, yeah, you saw some of the big action sequences, you sort of saw them in there, but I, I di- it didn't ruin it for me. I, I thought that it might, and it, and it definitely didn't. How would you say the overall fight and action sequences were? They were good. Uh, um, I, like, again, I, it's very tricky when we do this part of the podcast to, to not give too much away. Um, but there are certain things I liked about the fighting and the action sequences um, that, as a Spider-Man fan, you, lifelong Spider-Man fan, like, you needed to see those things. Um, and where some of the other movies failed. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah. So they're good. They're really fun to watch, and they are fast. Yeah, they, they do a great job with the Spider-Man character. Like, that's what's so important is when you have a character, and that's why I thought, like, Logan was so good because you, you, you knew it was an aging Wolverine, but you also knew what he was capable of, and they, they, really, they really shot that well. And in yeah. some of the Batman movies, like the good Batman movies, like, all right, that's Batman doing Batman stuff. And this was the same way. Like, Spider-Man, the, the way he would sort of move, the way they would do the special effects with, like, the web slinging and everything else, it was, it was on point. And one of the cool things I said when, um, and this isn't a spoiler, obviously, but when he's jumping around and he's really being Spider-Man, they seamlessly wove in watching him move, and then they, they would throw in a couple shots of it first person. Yes. So you actually see what he sees, and it, it's not distracting. It's, more, it's, very, it's seamless, which I found really impressive. Yeah, it was really good. And he, of course, we've already gotten a taste of him in Civil War, so he, we already had an idea of what Tom Holland's Spider-Man was, so it wasn't brand new. It wasn't like Tobey Maguire or Andrew Garfield for the first time. And, you know, could he carry a whole movie? And, yeah, obviously he could. Like, this is over two hours, and he was a great Spider-Man and a great Peter Parker, which is sort of one of those balances with all those guys. Like, hey, he's, a, he's a good Bruce Wayne, but he's a shit Batman or vice versa. Yeah. Or, you know, Clark Kent and Superman. This is the same thing. Like, you have a high school kid also being a superhero and he, he does a nice balance of the two. Uh, we'll get more into it in spoilers, but what did you think of the main villain in this? Um, I think M- Michael Keaton was great. Um, and I, I typically like villains who maybe at one point in the movie you actually root for. I, I agree 100%, yeah. Where you're like, yeah, you know what? Like, fuck Tony Stark. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and, and you get it. Like, I like, you know, where... And we had this big gripe, and I don't want to bring this up again, with Suicide Squad, you basically had a villain who was just a villain for the sake of, I want to take over the world just for the sake of taking over the world. Yeah, that's not very well thought out, because like, what are you going to do with it? Like, I, right. hate, I hate that storyline. And I think the strongest, one of the, I was so happy with their treatment of villains in this movie. They did a great job with it. Because I, they, they opened the door to so many other things. Yes. This movie, this, so the inevitable sequels to this can go in any direction. They really set yeah. themselves up nicely. Yeah, and I have also what was great is 
we've already seen Spider-Man five times. Well, five standalone movies. So forget Civil War. We've seen five movies, and they've thrown a ton of villains. And Spider-Man has probably the best villain, like rogues gallery, of any Marvel character. Right? Like like Batman's are better, but Spider-Man is the only one that can even be in the conversation and we've already seen so many, like, we've seen two Green Goblins. Like, we saw, a, a, like, a really bad Sandman, a shitty Venom. We saw Doc Ock, who was actually really good. And on down the line, Rhino, like, we, we, Electro. We, did, we hadn't seen the Lizard. We haven't seen the Vulture. And he's, like, one of the classic. I think he might be the second villain in the comic that he ever comes across. And to finally get to him, it was, like, perfect that they were able to still have him where you're not comparing him to any other Vulture. Like, here, here he is. Here, he can make it his own, and, and he definitely did. And he did. Um, let's see. This is going to be – this we can do spoiler-free. I'm going to g- give you a quick rundown of all of the movies in the MCU, and you have to say if Spider-Man is better or worse than. Can you do that? Okay. So let's start from – we'll go in order, and I probably will agree with you on most of them, uh, but we'll find out. So is this movie better or worse than Iron Man? This might be the surprising one, Rich. Ready? Yeah. The push. Push. Wow. I might have it. I might have it worse, but I can definitely hear the argument for it. All right. Yep. The Incredible Hulk. Better. Obviously. Iron Man 2. Better. Thor. Better. Captain America. Better. Avengers. <sighs> wow, you love this this goddamn movie. <laughs> uh, it's a little worse than that. First Avengers was great. I think, I think it's a little worse than Avengers. Uh, Iron yep. Man 3. Way better. Thor 2. Way better. Here, here's a real tough one. Winter Soldier. Yep. I, I push. I think Winter Soldier is better, but similar to Iron Man, I can, I can hear the argument for it. I would say that Winter Soldier is a better movie. I enjoyed Spider-Man more than that, though. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. I think it's worse. I, first Guardians of the Galaxy is an all-timer. Yeah, okay. okay I agree with that. Um, yeah. I, am I missing one? All right, Doctor Strange. Better than that. I think it's better than Doctor Strange. Ant-Man. Better. I, I, some of these are out of order, for Christ's sake. I don't know what I'm doing. Yes, and and uh, Guardians 2. It's better than that. Yeah, you know what? I think it might be better than Guardians 2. So, yeah, so you think it's basically... Well, we, uh, we missed Ultron. It's, I think it's oh, better than Jesus Ultron. Jesus Christ, what did I do? What kind of shit list yeah, is this? Yeah, it's better than Ultron. It's... <laughs> what else am I missing? Civil War. Oh, my Christ. I didn't even... What, what, are you what, doing? what kind of homework is this? Do you go? even watch these movies? Do you <laughs> even watch these movies? <laughs> no, I've, I've read a lot about them, though. I, 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 I do some <laughs> research. Yeah, Civil War. So, okay. Forget that. Forget all I just said. Which movies uh, do you think are definitely better than Spider-Man Homecoming? Because this is probably a little bit easier. Because obviously definitely it's better. better. Than, definitely um, definitely better than Spider-Man Homecoming. Guardians, Guardians. 1. Is that it? Maybe. And Avengers and Avengers. So you got you got Guardians and Avengers. I would say Guardians, Avengers, Winter Soldier, and the first Iron Man. So I would still have it in the top five, though. I think it's definitely better than Strange and Ant-Man, two movies that were very good. And that's even maybe a better comparable because it's all the origin stories. So yeah. I'm with you. It's better than those. So let's go Infinity Stone scale, Ryan. You can give zero stones or you could give six stones. And we also allow half stones. All right. So we are. Okay. Five and a half. Yeah, I think I would give it a five. So we are we are seeing pretty eye to eye here on Spider Man. Yep. And your five and a half, I'll be honest, I think it, it even has more weight to it because Spider Man's your favorite character of all time. 
And once we get into spoilers, I'll, I'll talk at length about why why that is. Ooh, I'm looking forward to to the. But length. this has is a as a. <laughs> Uh, I, I shudder to say this on, on air, but as a person with a Spider-Man tattoo, That's okay. I can tell you that this gets my stamp of approval. Oh, God. Is that my re- Spider-Man tramp stamp of approval. <laughs> I was going to say where it was, but you kind of you kind of went out there and go ahead and did it. Yep. Also, again, most of you who are listening to this have already seen it, but because it is spoiler-free, I will uh, just let you know that there is a mid credit scene and a post credit scene, and we will describe both of them coming up here but just as a reminder we're back in the marvel movies so uh, unlike wonder woman there is mid and post credit scenes ready for spoilers sir anything else yeah and i was thinking about this we should get we should get either uh goo or or somebody or marcus to do like a spoiler you know they have like the hot garbage alert we should do like a spoiler alert spoiler alert not Mm. not like the hot garbage thing where it's like that's real loud I can't listen to that with headphones on. That's and by the really- way, I just listened to the most recent boxers, and I'm with goo. Like, I don't like the hot garbage alarm. Jesus Christ. It is. It's pretty aggressively loud. It's, I do think that's the point, but it is. It stings the ears. The word I would say is jarring when it, you're listening to it with headphones. It's for sure jarring. I would yeah. give you that. All right, so spo- uh, spoilers alert. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Now for Spider-Man Homecoming. If, you've, if you haven't seen the movie, you've gone too far. All right. Let's let's start out. There's a lot to get to here, and, and we're both very excited about it. And the movie begins. You have uh, Michael Keaton and his salvage company is cleaning up after the events in the Avengers. So when the aliens attack and all that stuff, the one that's referenced uh, really a lot. Like it, it's a focal point for the other movies, the TV shows. They, they talk about it all the time. And so I love that. I love that connection to it right away. So you take this movie, and it is, boom, right in that exact same universe, right in the MCU. This is what's confusing th- to me, though. Right. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Okay, and I think this is an important step for Marvel, an important step for this movie, in that you have all these, like, global-scale, like, attacks and all this stuff, but they never, and uh, Civil War touched on this a little bit, and, but I think the, what happens to, like, a normal person who just witnessed this happen? Yes. How does the world move on from this? The rest of the world. I mean, you see the Avengers, and they're like, oh, yeah, that was great. Big victory. Hundreds of thousands of people died, but, like, yeah. good job well done. Could have you been worse. I mean? like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, so you I, do see I, the everyman. You see what other guys are, are left to do. And so Michael Keaton and his crew, that's, that's, the, that's really the focus here at, at, at the beginning. But my question is, Michael Keaton's cleaning stuff up, and then all of a sudden it jumps. It says eight years later. And you get to the Civil War footage, and then there's another two-month jump, and then that's Spider-Man Homecoming. So my question is, the Avengers came out in 2012. That was the year that yep. the movie was released. The current year now is 2017. That is not eight years. So was Avengers really... It, was, it came out in 2012, but the, all the events took place in 2009? or even at the end or at the beginning of 2010. And so I was trying to find answers to this. And there's a yep. whole Reddit stream that it tries to make sense of the timeline. And it puts it like in 2010. And I'm saying, well, isn't that seven years? But that was just confusing to me because I wasn't watching it. I'm like, eight years. I'm like, well, I know Avengers didn't come out in 09. But- yeah, that was, I, I gave, them the, gave them the benefit of the doubt. But I'm like, that seems like a lot. Like, that movie doesn't seem that old. No. Yeah. So so anyway, that's weird. And that's the kind of shit that, that I get hung up on. Like, I, I love all these connections. I love all these Easter eggs. I love all this stuff. But just make it 
makes sense. <laughs> Make the timeline make sense. We all care about it so much that you would think that they would as well. So some of the things I'm going to point out might be kind of gripes, but bottom line is I gave it a five. Davey gave it a five and a half. We, we absolutely loved this movie. Uh, one of the other things was damage control. Damage control was what came in and took over. Like Tony Stark owns damage control in this ver- universe, and they took over the cleaning company. Damage control, you remember it had a, had a short comic book run. I think I have some issues lying around my, uh, my basement. Yep. So there was a damage control, and they actually were going to do a TV show called Damage Control. It was going to be an ABC show. They even, I think they ordered a pilot for it, but then I think they wanted to include it in the movie, and so it's either been shelved or gotten rid of. But Damage Control was going to be something even bigger. Yeah, I mean, it could be something like Agents of Shield, but now that you've been introduced to Damage Control, yeah, they might do you know, it. Now they could, you know, and and that would be a cool show if they just like mention all these people. Like they'll show up to a site and be like, "Oh, we got a Hulk site here." You know what I yeah, mean? Like yeah. they know as soon as they see it. I do. I what I love about this too is how the Vulture is created off of what happened in Avengers and what Tony Stark did. And so here's a character that's been around in the comics since like the early '60s. And yet they found a new way to show his origin story. And I thought that was pretty sick. Also, this is basically another villain that Tony Stark directly created, right? Yeah, absolutely. So all the goddamn villains, like Ultron, Ironmonger, Whiplash, uh, I guess the Manchurian, or yeah, the Manchurian, and now uh, friggin' Vulture, and maybe more I'm missing. Like, those are all solely because of iron man right and i think it's because he's he's the mcu's answer to batman right yes um he's this completely flawed uh character who the, the argument is made in batman all the time that these villains wouldn't exist if you didn't exist yeah 100 percent. you know what i mean um and i think in tony stark being the first of uh, well technically captain america is the first avenger but the, the person who's at the forefront of the avengers you know, the first person to come out and say, like, yeah, I'm Iron Man. You know, so he's yeah. responsible. He's the one who came out and did this, so he's responsible for all of it. And even more so now, you know, post-Civil War, I mean, he's the guy. He's he's the guy with the face. Now, my one of my concerns, too, was if you saw all the trailers, if you saw all the movie posters, you're like, what is this, Iron Man 4? Like, this is going to, it was going to be almost more Iron Man. Did you think we got too much, too little, or just enough? I think it was just enough. I think the, the purpose of... There is a reason for Tony Stark to be in this movie, other than just the fact that he's Iron Man. I mean, you see this relationship between these two, and obviously Peter doesn't have a male figure in his life anymore. So enter Tony Stark, who's supposed to be... And there's that scene when they're on the ferry, where Peter says to... And it's this really cool scene where, you know, Tony Stark's like coming, and he's like, if you cared, you'd be here. Yes, and he steps and he steps out of the suit. He said, "Like I am here." You know what I mean? Because he showed up once and he wasn't actually in the suit. Yeah, like he's got right, right, right. Without that, sort of gave you like a swerve. I would say both uh, Tony and Happy, played by John Favreau, who's back once again. They both are like father figures now for Peter. Yeah, and it, what was cool about that scene is that it gave you the reason why Tony Stark is in this movie, and and then he said because there's this scene where like there's this very, like, fatherly thing. He's like, well, what if somebody died? And then you see, like, this look on Peter's face, like, what? And he says, what if you died? Yeah, oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And, like, and, and Tony said, like, that's on me. Right, because so think he, about it. He's that, a guy, look at, look at the Civil War. Like, you're taking a 15-year-old kid, and you have, you have faith in to throw him into that. 
yeah. which is which is pretty cool. And also, you see, it's almost like a Civil War prequel, like for a moment, because, and it didn't spend a lot of time. I thought it was perfect, where they just show you, and it's like the home footage, like the movie starts. It's like a film by Peter Parker, and it's and it's showing you how he got recruited, how, you know, Happy brought him over there. Like, he was on a plane, didn't know what the hell was going on. He's videotaping himself in that airport scene, which is still one of the great MCU scenes of all time. And it maybe also explains why he was talking so much, because I think he was recording the whole the whole video yeah. for himself, too. Yeah. But they did such a good job with that. But then they also wisely, you know, he was saying how, you know, he was in that fight with all those guys, and Iron Man says something to him along the lines of, well, if Captain America really wanted to like hurt you, like he could have, yeah. Which I thought kind of grounded it too. And you're like, all right, well, the kid is 15. He hasn't really been Spider Manning too much, and and up until that day, he had been wearing like sweatpants and like a, a yeah. like a ski mask. Like he hadn't even really been Spider Man un- until that that moment. And I think this is why. And I'm going to say this right now: Tom Holland is the best Spider Man ever put on film. Hundred percent, like not Hands close. Down. Yeah, he absolutely not even is. close. Yeah. And the reason is, is because the way this was written, and by the way, big shout out to John Francis Daly. That name doesn't mean anything to you, but it means a whole deal to me that one of the writers of this movie was actually Sam Weir from Freaks and Geeks. Oh, really? That was him? Yeah. He wrote this? John Francis Daly. Or one of the writers? Wow. Yep. So one of the things that they nail, and you, you kind of alluded to it just now, but one of the things that I loved about this movie and working with adolescent males, I can tell you that this version of Spider-Man that Tom Holland plays behaves exactly the way any adolescent teen right now would act if he became Spider-Man immediately. That's a great call, yeah. You know what I mean? Like that, in, in the comics, it's always been, you know, Peter's kind of like this nebbish kid who, like, is a recluse and he doesn't, he doesn't want this, you know, uh, you know what I mean? Like, he gets bitten by the spider and his first reaction is like, I don't want this. I, don't, I never wanted this. Yeah. This Peter's like, yes, absolutely. I'm going to put it on film. I'm having a really hard time not telling anybody or staying off social media, you know. But this is exactly how he would behave. It nails it. Yeah, you know what? I never thought that Tobey Maguire or Andrew Gar- Garfield were that bad until you watch this one. Like after after I watched this, and even from Civil War, like you had an idea, like oh man, those guys really were even more of a miss. But then you watch this whole movie, and then I think uh, the Amazing Spider-Man was on TV the other day, and I, I watched like a chunk of it. And I'm like. Man, I didn't think he was that bad the first time I watched it, but they both look way older than high school kids. They're both like mopey, shitty high school students. Yeah. Whereas Tom Holland, and yeah, you would know even better than I would. Like he hits on all those. He's a he's a perfect Peter Parker, and then the the kind of quick one liners as Spider Man come off perfectly. And for a kid who, in real life, I think he turned twenty one like a couple of months ago, he actually can pull like fifteen, maybe a little young, but like. He yeah. at least he pulls off what a high school sophomore or whatever he's supposed to be. Yep. And so I I think that that works. What about did you think that the suit, the one that Iron Man gave him and the one that he wore, we'll get to the Iron Spider later on, but the one that he gave him and he wore was it too high tech because it was almost obviously it was made by Iron Man, but it had the yep. same feel as an Iron Man suit where you're like, "All right, it does freaking everything." And you're like, "I'm all on board with with technology, but it seems like it was a to me, it might have been like a little much. Yeah, it is. It is much. It is a little bit much. But like, it's basically, you know, it, that, and that's the what keeps Tony connected to him. You know what I mean? When he's not there, or keeps Happy connected to him. Yeah, but then like I the mean, thing think, where it's like, oh, like you have like five hundred and like eighty-seven different like web slinging combinations. I was like, for Christ's sake! 
But think about, I mean, think about it like this. Like when you give, like I have, I have kids and I think about the day that like I give them their first iPhone. Yeah. What are they going to do with it? They're going to do everything I, w- I don't want them to do with it immediately. That's you know what I mean? True. That's yeah. the way kids are. And that's the whole thing with like the training wheels program and what <laughs> that, the, uh, that was pretty good. the baby monitor. Like that. So like they, that's what kids do. You know what I mean? Like, and I think Tony's idea of giving him that and saying like it's yours would be like this is to keep you safe. True. You know what I mean? You're if you're running around in pajamas and goggles, like you're gonna get hurt. Like this is a way for me to keep you safe when I'm not there. Yeah, and, I, and then they can track him down. And it's funny because you're watching the movie, and it seems like uh, John Favreau's character really doesn't care. Like he's not answering all of his calls. And he's like whatever. But then every time either Happy or Tony have a conversation with Peter Parker, they know everything about him. They're like, yeah, and, oh, you like yeah. you stopped doing bands like a, two months ago, or like you didn't do this. Like they, they keep track of him everywhere. Like he's going on the field trip, and boom, he gets a call. He's like, where are you going? Like you're going, you're going to yeah. D.C.? So because you think, you think it's crazy that Peter Parker almost too much is like, well, I, I got to be ready for the Avengers. I got to be ready for the Avengers. And they don't give two shits about him, or that really couldn't be further from the truth. And that, what a typical teenage sentiment to have is like, these guys really don't care about me and, you know, yeah, I'm right, ready right. and, you know, I can do all these things. And, and again, I think the suit that Tony gives him is more for Tony and happy than it is for him. Yeah. Oh, it's I think you're right. Yeah. Keep tabs on him. yeah. No, I think you're right. Also, I think, and this is pretty clear, but not making this an origin movie really, really helps it because you don't have to waste any time. Like it was. They do the awesome thing at the beginning, I thought, with sort of that Civil War footage. You get you caught up to where he is. But Uncle Ben doesn't die. He doesn't get bit. We don't see the spider that bites him. And, again, if you made this movie 20 years ago, fine. Or even if if there was no, and I know it's not in the same universe, but if there was no Sam Raimi or no Amazing Spider-Man, then maybe you would have to do it. But, like, you know your audience isn't dumb. Like, you know they are aware of how it works, and we've already seen them in action, so why waste time? Like, this is one of the few origin stories where he's Spider-Man the entire time. Like, think about even Deadpool. Yeah, he's Deadpool at the beginning, but then they kind of they, they play with the timeline, and they show you how he becomes Deadpool. This is one of the few that you're like, all right, he's, he's the guy. Like, he's, he's very young, but he's always got the powers. Yeah, and I think this is one of the things that, and again, I don't like to pit them against each other too often, but like the thing that DC, that Marvel is getting right that DC is not, and that is Marvel is learning from mistakes. Like if you look at Batman versus Superman, one of the biggest gripes that we had about that movie is like, do we need the Batman origin story again? I've seen this. We don't. We don't, and that, and that's the thing. So they they make these subtle mentions to it where they don't even mention Ben Parker's name, but Peter says at one point. After all May's been through. Yeah, perfect. And saying, perfect. I can't tell her that. Like, that's yeah. all you need. Per- perfect line. Like, yeah, that, yeah. Like, that sets it up. We know she's living by herself. We know that that's his aunt. Like, with the whole thing, we, we get it. And so that that is a uh, you're, that's a good call. That's a, that's a perfect line. And that's that sort of sums up the whole thing. All right, we'll and get... when, he's talking to, when he's talking to Ned, and he's like, yeah. yes, he's like, so a spider bit you? He was like, yeah. And he's like, what if the spider's like, the spider's dead? And they just move on. Yeah, right, exactly. So you get a little bit more of the backstory with that yeah. as well. Um, we'll get into, like, I guess, more of the plot points as we go through some of the characters and some of the Easter eggs and things like that. But if you jump to the ending, sort of a couple of parts at the end, you get, you know, after you know the Vulture ends up going to jail, they lock him up. But he's finally invited to join the Avengers, and they've officially moved out of their New York City location. They're now in upstate New York, where, you know, we saw the scene from Ant-Man. We've seen they saw a lot of it in Civil War. 
we're finally there. He's 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 asked to be a part of the Avengers, and forgot he was desperate. Like, I mean, I I wouldn't say too much, but it was getting to the point where he was almost like upset, or he was obsessed with becoming an Avenger, and then he turns it down. Were you were you surprised by that? Did you like that? Did you not like that? Where do you, how do you feel about that? I liked it. Um, it. It showed a little bit of growth in that character, which is great. Um, and it showed, well, first of all, we'll get into this later, but welcoming back Pepper Potts into the fold. Pepper fucking Potts. I know. We thought, uh, I don't know, it fell off a cliff, out an impact. Well, look, I'm not a huge Gwyneth Paltrow guy. No, me neither. But she looked great. She's a great Pepper Potts, though. That, that's the thing. Yeah. Is like I, I like her in this role. I don't like her in any other movie, ever. But she's she's good in this one. She was not in Civil War, you know. They kind of make reference to her, but she's she's not there. And then here she is for two minutes, like very very kind of strange, but it makes sense. But anyway, so he doesn't join there. Now the very end, before you get to the mid credits and the post credits, is Aunt May finally sees him. She she looks in the room and sees that he's Peter Parker, or sees that he's Spider Man. I guess the question is, now going forward, is she going to know, or do you think he's going to come up with some sort of elaborate, you know, oh, I just found this costume, or are they going to mind wipe her? Like, what, what's going to happen here? <laughs> I mean, and this is what I said before, the same thing with the villains, is like, you could take this in any number of directions, and it'll make sense. Yeah. You know, he could say like, oh, well, you know, I, you know, I, I found it, or like, I just made this, you know, it's not the actual suit, you know, there's ways to get out of that. And there's also ways to lean into it and say, like, you know, how does May react to this? I want you know, her. And, I want her to know. I love her as a character. I think she's a great Aunt May. And did <laughs> you see uh, our buddy Mac from Mac and Goo? He tweeted out a while ago about because obviously there's been the evolution of Aunt May. You know, yeah. and he goes, they go from having the guy from Tales from the Crypt in the first one. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and then you have like a cougar in the in this most recent one, and then you had Sally Field in the middle, and I'm like, yeah, but she's great. Like, think about it. if the kid's 15, it wouldn't make sense. I mean, I, everybody's families are different, but it wouldn't make sense for your aunt to be 80 years old. I mean, maybe no, your, your great aunt would be, but your regular aunt wouldn't be. So this makes sense. I want her to know. Like, I, I like her. Maybe you know she could flirt with uh, Iron Man a little bit more, even though Pepper Potts is back. But I I, I hope that he doesn't lie to her and isn't like oh like you know actually i'm friends with spider-man and it gives her some sort of bullshit thing and like like fucking ned already knows like let let, let right. your aunt know and like and two things again marissa tomei is 52 years old that's insane like she's, yeah she's she's no spring chicken she's white she's rocking them them high the you know, smoke bomb and she's rocking those them high-waisted pants throughout the whole movie <laughs> there's you know? a there's so a uh, a fan theory that she is actually her character from the wrestler. This is still her. Oh my god! <laughs> With the piercings and everything, she took them out. Right on. She no, t- leave those in. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, there you go. <laughs> All right. Let first. Uh, I guess before we get to the character breakdown, how would you say this movie? Like, say you you were just a Spider-Man fan. I guess yep. th- this would be a very small percentage of the audience. You're you're just a Spider-Man fan. And you you haven't really kept up with the MCU. Maybe you haven't even seen those other movies. Would would this be a great standalone movie still? Absolutely. And and I think in terms of the MCU, um, in the grand scheme of things, it fits like in this little box. And I, I was going to mention this earlier, but I'm glad you brought it up. 
is that the reason this movie works is it's small in scope. Yes. You know, there are times where, like, the, my, one of my favorite scenes, because people have this gripe about Spider-Man all the time. They're like, what if he wasn't around any tall buildings? Like, how could he do? And there's a he, helicopter. Like, and nobody's like doing this run. Like he's running towards like this explosion, and he just goes like, and like it's like this wide open golf course. Yeah, he just and has to like, run. He's like, God damn it! And he has to run. He doesn't say God damn it, but he has, no, he he has to like run. Yes. And that's like a Spider-Man fan's like, okay, like he's when he's not around buildings. Like, is he completely ineffective? Right. And the answer is. Yes, like <laughs> now I have to run. Pretty much, you know what I mean. Yeah, he, yeah. yeah, it's not gonna work. And yeah, he, and then once he need to even like shoots out his webbing like as far as he can go, it's just like I gotta okay, I gotta get on my horse here and get yeah, going. Yeah, hoof it. Yeah. So here's my biggest gripe with the entire movie, and then if you have one, let me know. But this is my biggest gripe, and I don't even think it's the, it's not even like the director's fault, and like by no means do I blame Tom Holland or any actor that was in this. But we all love shared universes, right? I mean, we're in one, for Christ's sakes, with Mac yep. and Goo and the Boxers. We, we love a shared universe. This MCU might do it better than, than anybody else. Well, maybe the Tarantino-verse, which we, we covered in an earlier episode of Hashtag Dork. But what drives me up a goddamn wall is the Netflix Marvel shows, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist, all of them reference the movie Marvel movies, or the 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 Marvel movies, and they they talk about the incident in New York. They talk about the big green guy. They talk about the guy with the hammer. Like they go, they give you all these little nods throughout. And all of those shows on Netflix take place in New York. And you're like, all right, if the Avengers don't mention them, fine, they're dealing with stuff. The Guardians don't mention them, no shit. They don't mention anybody. If some of these other like Doctor Strange, I get it. Why why would he? But this movie takes place, with the exception of a little bit in Washington D.C., entirely in New York. And they even cover it from the time the Avengers land to after, and they never mention any of the defenders. And I think that's bullshit. I think it you, is. It totally is. Because you can't tell us. You can't say, "Hey, watch these Netflix shows," because they're in the universe and they'll reference them. But then nobody else has ever heard of them. Like there was a there was a perfect time for Michael Keaton's Vulture to make a small reference when he was saying he was talking to his guys. And he's like, we got to keep a low profile. We got to stay away from the Avengers and damage control. And if he just said, and the defenders, or if he just said, and, you know, the devil in hell's kitchen or, you know, the bulletproof guy, or if he just made one other comment, I would have loved it. I'm like, perfect. We're all set. We know that they live in this universe, but it's like the movies completely ignore the TV and I hate it. Yeah. And especially since there were runs where Daredevil and Spider-Man are constantly around each other absolutely and like think about all the events that have taken place because you were saying one of the reasons why you love spider-man is because it's the smaller scale and that's another reason why we love the netflix shows and they have to at least overlap somehow they don't all have to be in the same scene together i don't need them to all like hang out but they need to reference them like there's been big enough shit with kingpin and with the stuff that was going on with luke cage like that would that would at least be on the news. That'd at least be on the map. And if Michael Keaton has been the vulture for eight years, we're we're led to believe. Yeah, I think those other guys would have sniffed him out, or they would have referenced the vulture, or or something. And so that bugs me. <laughs> Clearly that. But again, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take that away from the movie because maybe that was they said, hey, don't don't mention them, or we're not gonna bring them in, or you know, one thing I've heard 
is, you know, way more people obviously watch the movies than the shows, so we don't need to throw any random shit in. But that's kind of crap because there's all kinds of weird random Easter eggs that people will either enjoy or it'll go over their head. It's not like it's going to take you out of the movie. If you're like, oh, no. there's there's a girl who has super strength. Okay, fine. Great. Like, that, that, that would have made a lot of sense to put in. And what a great way to get people to watch the goddamn show. Yes, good is point. To have, yeah. Is to have, like, Spider-Man on a rooftop and, like, him cross paths with Matt Murdock and him be like, oh my God. What, you, what the hell are you doing? You it, know what I mean? It'd be perfect. And you would think at this point, too, like, if Iron Man specifically, if Spider-Man was on his radar, he should know all those other guys. Like, think about it. Like, what, what was Peter Parker doing before, before he got him? Stopping, like, people that took a bicycle? Like, that's literally what he was doing. Like, that that's... He was helping old ladies. Like, there's a whole montage of, like, the stuff that he was doing on that scale. And then he finally gets to stop the bank robbers. Whereas, how about, like, the, the, the warehouse shootouts and, and rooftop shootouts and all the, like, the Daredevil Season 2 with the Punisher? Like, that was crazy shit going on. And, like, <laughs> I think Iron Man would be aware of, of those guys as well. And, I don't know, maybe want to recruit one of them or at least, at least throw an invite their way? Yeah, know. Maybe. All right. Oh, by the way, yeah. Just I think Spider-Man's from Jackson Heights, which is in Queens. I think. Oh, for Christ's sake! But I just did a quick Google. Jackson Heights to Hell's Kitchen. Yeah. Six and six and a half miles. I mean, I think there'd be a little bit of overlap there. Either way, they're going to run into each other at some point. I feel like if they're if they're at night flipping all about, I think they might run into each other. But anyway, I'll I'll put that to the side for now. Uh, quick character breakdown. I think we already said a lot about both Spider-Man and Michael Keaton. Uh, or the vulture, Adrian Toomes. He was great. I love that that he wore like the jacket. Like they didn't overdo it with his costume. They didn't want to make him look too ridiculous. Like the one in the comic book, he's got like feathers and wings and all kinds of yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I thought they did like just that jacket with the fur. You know, brought you there. What did you think of the reveal of him being Liz's dad? That I mean, that's what I'm talking about. Like the wrinkle. Like that's that's, great. that's a little wrinkle that you had that you didn't, you wouldn't expect. You know, maybe it's my racial sensibility, my white privilege, but I would never, I I didn't even like put that together, that that would even be a thing. I like that. Although the, uh, the girl who played uh, Michelle Jones, MJ Zendaya, this was great because one of the, like before the movie came out, one of the fan theories was Michael Keaton's going to be her father. And so if you went in, if you had heard that, or if that was on your mind at all, that was like an extra little swerve. I didn't put it together at all until he was at the door. And like right before you open the door, I'm like, well, this would tie the whole thing together. Like this would really, right. this would make the movie kind of whole. And then, and then there he was. So I thought that was pretty good. And uh, in my mind, the whole time I'm watching this character of Liz, I'm like, or uh, Liz Toomes, I guess right now. How are they going to get rid of her? Yeah, right. Because they have to make way for because Betty Brant is in this movie. Betty which Brant, is a nice little Easter egg. That was a great um, Easter egg. She's in there doing the school news. And, uh, Obviously, MJ, which we will get to in a second, is in this movie as well. So, how do you get her away? And yeah, you got to get rid of these two. That's not going to be the love interest, I wouldn't think. And so she gets away. She moves out with her mom. They don't want to be in town for the funeral. That was kind of a dud. Like that storyline kind of was hot, and then it seemed like they had a really good connection. And then at the end, she's like, "Bye, Peter. We're leaving." And you're like, "Oh," like that it, it seemed to end kind of abruptly. Yeah, I was kind of lazy, and they're like, well, we're going to Oregon because my mom says it's nice there. Like, like you can't move that quickly. Yeah, it doesn't a, happen. The like housing like market. Yeah, the housing yeah. market's a bear. You're going to be on Realtor.com forever. Like, that's, well, they got some money, so you know they no, got some that's, money. So that's true. Yeah. Um, so then, but Zendaya, who played MJ, so there's a lot of speculation that, well, they're not telling us, but she's going to be Mary Jane Watson. 
She wasn't. She was Michelle Jones. And at the very end, she says, my friends call me MJ, which I kind of think is bullshit. Yeah. Because this was when this leading up to this movie, this was the worst kept secret in the entire thing is the fact that she's they're like, you're playing Mary Jane. And she's like, no, I'm not. I play a character named Michelle. They're like, everyone's like, yeah, OK. You know what I mean? Like, um, you didn't have to do that. I think it's, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I thought that was crap. Um, anything else on Iron Man or Happy Hogan? I thought they were both really good. Um, I think it's a really uh, – no, I really liked Robert Downey Jr. I like Robert Downey Jr. and everything. Um, and I thought Happy was a bit of comic relief, as he usually is. Um, yeah, he he was good. I'll tell you, I again, I already said this, but I thought there was going to be too much Iron Man, and there wasn't. Like, there was, no. there was the right amount of Iron Man and some really important – conversations between the two i mean one from the trailer about hey if you're nothing without the suit then you shouldn't have the suit like that right that's good stuff and that's also him kind of looking at himself too because right he's and he even says a, i sound like my father yeah he did, he did mention yeah. that uh more connections this is a great one donald glover was in this and originally he was cast in this because you remember he was one of the guys up for the amazing spider-man the amazing spider-man we right. thought we could get donald glover so he's cast as aaron davis who makes reference to his nephew. Doesn't say his nephew by name, but we all know his nephew is Miles Morales. So that kind of opens the door to maybe Tom Holland, who signed on for three Spider-Man movies and three other movies, which we would all assume are Civil War, Infinity War, and the sequel to Infinity War. Maybe if, if you still want those Spider-Man stories, maybe it'll be Miles Morales after that. Exactly. So, And, they, and there are great comic book runs where Peter Parker and Miles... And team Peter up. takes yeah. Miles like under his wing, you know. So they have like they they cross over and you know. So I so that's that's a really cool thing. And there's some really cool Spider-Man literature that will back this up. Yes, absolutely. Like, oh, well, yeah, have, Miles Morales yeah. is like in a different dimension than Peter Parker. Like yeah, they are and they aren't. So there is source material there. They'll figure it out. I, I have confidence in them in, in, in that point. Especially if Marvel's still involved. If Sony takes it on completely on their own, then I would have a little bit more concern. But if they're a part of it. What about anything else on Marissa Tomei's uh, Aunt May Parker or Gwyneth Paltrow's Pepper Potts? No, I think you you have some strong female leadership in this in this movie, and you know that's that's really important, especially these days. You know, to get to get that in there. Yes. Um, with MJ, with um, Liz, with you know Pepper Potts and, and Marissa Tomei, yeah, Aunt character. May. Like those are really those are really good things to have, and it it kind of rounds the characters out in a way. You know what I mean? It does, and it, it sort of that shows you Robert Downey Jr.'s like maturity, I guess. You know, like if he's actually like a guy who we know is like a, a ladies' man, but if he's going to be committed just to Pepper Potts, that shows a, a different side of him. Yep. What about Ned uh, playing the the best friend role here? He was the the guy in the chair. I thought I thought he was pretty good. He had, he had some good comedy. Him wearing the suit was funny. We saw that in the, the trailer, but still, it was pretty good. Yeah, I love the the idea of the guy in the chair. Like he's like, yeah. I want to be your guy in the chair. I thought that was really funny. Yeah, I want to be Oracle. A, yeah, which is something that somebody would say. You know what I mean? Um, now he also says at one point he asks Peter a couple of questions. He a- asks him if he can uh, like communicate with like an army of spiders, which is sort of like an Ant Man tip of right. the cap. He also asks if he can spit venom, which you can't say the word venom in a Spider Man movie without people sort of like you know looking up. Um, yeah. But yeah, I thought Ned overall was was a good character, and for a while, the only guy who knew the the identity, or the only you know non Avenger who knew his identity. And I think this was important to this movie because you know when Spider Man historically becomes Spider Man in whatever iteration, there's like this, it's pretty heavy. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't. Yeah, sure. 
and Ned brought kind of like this levity, like this like kid energy to it. You know what I mean? Where Peter really was on the fence about whether or not this was a good thing, and then you had Ned telling him how cool it was, and you should do this, and asking him, you know, so it kind of brought him out a little bit. So that, yeah. was, that was good stuff. Yeah, and their conversations also, like, reminded you of, like, high school kid conversations, like when they're, like, looking at girls together, or they're, like... Right. And then, but then they go from that to building, like, a Lego Death Star. You know what I mean? Like, right. There's, like, a yeah. great gap there between the two. And uh, that was the good link that they were kids. Like, they, yeah, they were still right. kids, right. you know? Chris Evans uh, popped up a few times as Captain America in those PSAs, which I thought was great because then there's the line. I think it was Hannibal Burris, right, the uh, comedian who yeah. has the line. He's like, nah, I'm pretty sure he's like a war criminal, but whatever. And so that at least reminds <laughs> you that this is after Civil War, yeah. but they're still running those Captain America PSAs. Yeah, so, and that was that was great. He was actually sneaky good in this movie, Hannibal Burris. He was. I, I enjoyed him. All the Spider-Man movies, I feel like, always bring in like actors or actresses that you're like for small roles. Like obviously Donald Glover was one, Hannibal Burroughs was one. They had the girl from Baskets was the lady in the Washington Monument running the uh, elevator. Yeah, yeah. And you're like what? Like that's, that's I, random. My wife started hitting me. She was like, "Oh my god!" I that's forget like, it was her name yeah. like Sharon or something like that. I forget. Yeah, was, yeah, that's pretty good. But she did it with like the same voice, like the same flat same, voice. That's her, and, man. That is yeah. that is what she brings to the table. Did Did you have any problem at all with no Mary Jane, like a real Mary Jane Watson or a Gwen Stacy? No, I don't. But I, I think, again, this is the MJ thing was, I don't think you needed to do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? I thought, I like, I have no problem with Zendaya playing a Mary Jane. Just call her Mary Jane. Like, you didn't have to call her Michelle Jones. Yeah, that was very strange to me. I don't, I don't really, I don't really get that part of it. Oh, also, you had a couple of different actors play uh, the Shocker. So the Shocker is in this universe. And, and that was a great switch because I was cool. wondering... Because Bokeem Woodbine is in, the, I'm like, there's no way, because he's a legit actor. Right. Like, he was in Ray, he was awesome in Ray, um, and like, I was like, what is he, just some like, no-name thug? Yeah, but like, then they did the <laughs> shocker switcheroo. Yeah, he was like, now you're the shocker. Like, like, now you're the shocker. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, that's oh, pretty okay. sweet. That's not bad. And, then and they didn't name either guy, so it didn't matter? No, it didn't. So that, yeah, so that was good. And then also, you're getting a, a look ahead. And I guess well, we can get to that in the uh, the mid credit scene too, on what the what future villains, yep, we could see. So other Easter eggs and stuff that we can get to. Uh, again, I'm still pissed about the the no mention of the defenders. How about uh, the Sokovia Accords, which were taught in class? So this is a quick turnaround. It's only two months after Civil War, and one of the times that you see Peter Parker in class, the teacher is talking about the Sokovia Accords, which our buddy Goo still is convinced that. Uh, Tony Stark wrote them, and they just haven't said that he wrote them yet. I don't. I don't know how you feel about that. I don't. I don't know how I feel about that. Either. Yeah, I don't think that he did. Um, let's see. You get. Uh, oh, so when they're moving out, these, these are just. These are some of these are more obvious than others. But when they're moving out of the Avengers Tower and they're going to their upstate facility, they reference a new Captain America shield. They have a bunch of Iron Man stuff, including a, a Hulkbuster suit, and they have a new belt for Thor. So those are all pretty yeah. good little references. We find there's an Ultron head and arm at one point. You see all that stuff. The, yeah, uh, when uh, when Vulture's going through the plane, I was like looking around the yeah. plane to see what I what was actually in there because that was like the last stuff they were gonna bring. Yeah, you're like what else do they got in here? Oh, one thing that I thought was kind of lame was they were clearly doing like a Ferris Bueller's Day Off, like a little like uh, homage or ripoff or whatever you want to call it. But then they literally showed Ferris Bueller's Day. I'm like, that's yeah. a little on the nose, guys. So. Well, what was funny? What was funny is like while that was happening, I'm like, this looks like something out of Ferris Bueller. 
Yeah, right. And then they show, and then they showed it. I'm like, oh my! You didn't have to show it. Like we but, all got I it. I mean, it's fine. Yeah, we yeah. all got it. I mean, well, most, most of us, of us got, most of us got, yeah. got it. Um, and one of the things that I, I, it's funny that they put in Ferris Bueller because as I'm watching this movie and I'm watching Peter's interaction with people, and the music was all 80s. It was. And I guess the homecoming was like an 80s dance, but like throughout the movie, like they're playing Blitzkrieg Bop, they're playing uh, Sooner or Later. Um, and, and like what it struck me is like this is kind of like a John Hughes movie with superheroes. It's kind of like a. It was, yeah, it was. You know, which I love. I'm a big John Hughes fan, which we'll get to in a second. Spoiler mm. alert Ooh. for Easter egg. Spoiler alert for the spoiler alerts. Oh, snap. When we mention something on the outline, I will bring up John Hughes again. How about so that? stay tuned. All right, there was a couple other characters that we didn't mention, but Flash Thompson, I did not enjoy Flash Thompson in this. I guess he's more of like your 2017 bully than the, you know, Joe Maganello, by the way, who's going to be playing Deathstroke and was, uh, you know, that werewolf in True Blood. He was Flash Thompson in the first one. And then in the second one, Flash Thompson was uh, Justin Theroux's stepson in The Leftovers. So, like, you go from, like, those kind of more intimidating you know, high school bullies to this guy who's like a, a real kind of loser. And see, this is this is where I thought it worked is because 2017 bullies are not punch you in the face, call you a nerd, push you in the hallway kind of bullies. They're not like that. Yeah, because people sue people now, so you can't have people right. fighting. Right. No yeah. one's punching each other anymore. You know what yeah. I mean? Like kids it don't sucks. get in fights anymore. But yeah. there is a kid at your school who you want to absolutely fucking kill who just keeps calling you Penis Parker. Yeah. To like yeah, I guess everybody. You're right. and yeah, like, that's You know fair. what I mean? And that it's like that type of bullying versus like the physical type of bullying. It's more mental. It's more emotional. You know what I mean? Yeah, so that's true. That's in terms like and most of the kids who do that. I'm looking at you, Teets, whatever his name is. Oh, Chuck fucking Teets again. Chuck Teets. You know what I mean? If yeah. Chuck Teets saw you in the street, he wouldn't say it to your face. No, he's he going to go on. He's going to go on iTunes and say something about it. You know what I mean? Two stars. You can. And it. I think it's awesome that the person who's like. Peter's nemesis in school, this Flash Thompson, like, he ain't shit. No. He's you not. know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's true. Peter could literally rip him in half. He just doesn't. You know what I mean? That's a good point. Uh, Davey mentioned Betty Brant before. She was on the school news. She, of course, was Elizabeth Banks' character from the first trilogy of Spider-Man. And in the comic books, she works for J. Jonah Jameson. So it makes sense having her involved in the media there yeah. a little bit. Uh, another obvious kind of Easter egg thing was the bank robbers wearing the mask. Hulk, Thork, Iron Man, Captain America. Uh, he, Peter mentions it's nice to meet Thor and Hulk because obviously he didn't see them in Civil War. And also he, when he's got his like web wrapped around one of them, he makes Thor punch Hulk, which is kind of cool because we're probably yep. going to get a lot of that coming up in Thor Ragnarok. Um, this isn't this isn't to me like an Easter egg. This is more of just like a nod is when the some of the high school kids are talking about Spider-Man and they don't really know what's underneath they're like, well, you don't even know what's underneath his suit or underneath his mask. Like he could be all burned. Yeah. So obviously, it's a Deadpool reference, but it's you know, it's not in the universe or anything like that. It's the slight, the slight tip of the cap. It's a, you know what I mean. It's a slight tip of the cap. And again, there are you know those internet people who are going crazy for a Spider-Man Deadpool movie. Which, that would be ridiculous. Yeah. That'd be again, awesome. there is plenty of source material for that. Yes. No, there is. Also, what was cool, uh, Jennifer Conley was the voice, probably you picked up on it, but she was the voice of Karen inside the Spider-Man suit. And it's just funny because her real-life husband is Paul Bettany, who was the voice of Jarvis and then became the Vision. So to me, it's like when 
when Tony Stark is putting together these these AI suits with voices, he went with Paul Bettany and Jennifer Connelly, which I think is. And I so here comes John Hughes reference number two. Here we go. So when I was a kid and I saw Labyrinth for the first time, no. I think I was like six or seven. I thought Jennifer Connelly was the most beautiful girl I've ever seen in my life. She still might be. She still might be. Flash forward to when I was 10 years old, and there's this very unknown, not unknown, but like un- underappreciated John Hughes. He didn't direct it, but he wrote the movie called Career Opportunities, starring Frank Whaley, who you'll know him if you see him, and Jennifer Connelly. Frank Whaley played the, the, the bad cop in... Uh, what was it? It might have been Jessica Jones. Line. Oh, okay. You know, or is it the, Luke the cop Cage? Who like, or is it Luke Cage? Yeah, the white guy with the weird hair. Who Luke like Cage, flipped. I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's Frank Whaley and Jennifer Connelly were in this movie. And I will tell you right now, there is the hottest girl you've ever seen in your life is 1991, 21 years old, Jennifer Connelly in Career Opportunities. The scene where she's riding like the, put the quarter in like the horse yeah. thing. Yeah. Unbelievable. She is. She Google is, it. It's worth a Google. I'll give it Jennifer Connelly well, career bing. opportunities. I'll give it a bing. She is. Give it a bing. <laughs> she is smoking hot. And then there's also the scene at the end of uh, Requiem for a Dream, which you cannot unsee. You cannot unsee that. I uh, cried. I was, that. I was. I think she is a wonderful, wonderful lady and just a just a real talent. I was watching that movie one time because I had no idea what it was about. Requiem for a Dream, and people were telling me how great the movie was. So I was watching it, and the end scene. My mom comes walking through and sees what I was watching. She's like, what is this? I was like, I... Ass to, it's ass to ass, mom. That's butt to butt stuff is what yeah. uh, they uh, owe a lot of money and they're addicted to drugs. All right, anyway. Now, now do, you, do you like me the first time you saw that movie? Did, did like, it go to fade to black and you just were just like staring at the screen? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like you didn't know what to do and you're like, life's meaningless. Yeah, and I'll tell you what. So then my college roommate... I had it. I owned it for some reason. I don't know why I own Requiem for a Dream. Somebody, please, you could take it from me. But I own Requiem for a Dream, and one of my, my college roommate, I think sophomore year, had never seen it. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm like, I don't want to watch it again. <laughs> like, like, I know I yeah. own it, but like, I don't really feel like watching it. And then after the Aaron Boone game, when the, when the Red Sox lost uh, in 03 to the Yankees, yeah. I was just so miserable. And I'm like sitting there, he's like watching me. He wasn't a Red Sox or a Yankee fan. So he's just like, he was, you know, he felt bad for me. And I look at him, and I'm like, we can watch Requiem for a Dream now. <laughs> so we popped it in, and that's how I spent the rest of that night. Life's meaningless. Yeah, it, it's it's over. All right, mid credit scene, Ryan. This is the uh, this is sort of spinning your head to a possibly a Spider-Man Homecoming two. A couple of parts here. You see, Michael Keaton's uh, Adrian Toomes is in jail or he's in prison or prison now, and he's he's walking down and he sees Mac Gargan or Nacho from Better Call Saul. Yep, and. Who we know is going to be the Scorpion. That's, he's the Scorpion in the Spider-Man comics. And if you didn't know that, he had a Scorpion tattoo on his neck. So he's just really, a really hammer at home. Really and he had like that. some some mechanical stuff on his arm when he was in prison. Yeah. Um, but for us real Spider-Man fans, we knew it was him when they were on the ferry and they did the facial recognition and they said, we got a hit on this guy. It's Mac Gargan. Exactly. Who has like the, so they mentioned him by name on the ferry. And I was like, ha ha. And, like, <laughs> and people kind of looked at me and I'm like, You'll, don't worry about it. You'll, you know you'll I mean? look it up later. Now, so here's my question to you. Why do you think Michael Keaton told the Scorpion that he didn't know Peter Parker's identity? Because he wants him. You think it's because he But he also saved, he, he saved the Vulture in a way. So maybe it was. Uh, so think of it. If we do a running tally, in the car scene with Michael Keaton and Peter Parker, 
you know, he said, you know, you save you save my daughter's life, so I owe you. That's one. Now I'm going to save your life by not killing you right now. Yes. Then Peter pulls him out of the fire, saving his life. Right. So now he owes. So you could be like, he either wants to kill him or he's like, I owed him that. I'm not going to have you do it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And I wonder if there's a chance if we could ever get a Sinister Six, because again, in the history of the comics, that's all. That's a whole number of guys. I guess you know it has to add up to six to make it work. Right. But, but, that, those, but those that's why I loved. Like I said in the beginning, I loved the treatment of the villains in this because they didn't kill any of them. Nope. You got well. Yeah. You you swapped out a Shocker. You got the Vulture. You got Scorpion. They're I mean, they're three, all this universe. Bang, bang, yeah. boom. Right there. So now you need a Goblin. You need. And how about this? Like well, people are saying, like, we're gonna get a Venom. They, Right, you're gonna get a Venom, uh, Carnage. Maybe bring back another Doctor Octopus, a Carnage. You people are they? I've Bob been Goblin. dying for a Craven, a Craven the Hunter. Craven the Hunter would be awesome. Mysterio, who we haven't seen yet. Like, there's tons Ooh, of Mysterio's guys. Mysterio's a good one. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's wide open, and that was the best part of this movie. Is like it set it set the table for this entire thing. And you know what you won't get is any kind of crossover with the Netflix guys because Spider-Man and Punisher have had some great stuff. In fact, Punisher's debut came in a Spider-Man comic. Yes, it did. So, all right, that was the mid-credit scene. That was pretty sweet. Now, you waited about 15 more minutes. You got the post-credit scene, and that was Captain America giving you a PSA about patience. And I know for a fact, after texting with you, that you were not a fan of said said uh, post-credit scene. Well, I was set up for this where Wessie B from the Boxers podcast said it was the best end credit scene he's ever seen. Now, to be Without fair, me, to be fair, I said it wasn't for me. <laughs> you said it wasn't for me. Okay, right? Yeah. So, in my mind, I'm like, okay, so I'm gonna, and like, I had, so I, I upped your game a little bit, not to, not to step on your flavor, but no, Rich please. is a fan of the nips. Rich is a fan of the nips, right? Oh yeah, people know in, that. In, yeah, bring the, the nips right into the theater. You have a nice little time. I brought in some rum and added it to my icy. How so did that? I was how on, was like, that? Oh. You, if you don't do that the next time you're at the movies, you're, you're doing yourself a disservice. Right, well, maybe this weekend for uh, War of Planet of the Apes. But I drank. It was so delicious that I drank a huge Icy. So the whole, from, from, like, the Washington, D.C. scene on, I had to pee. So, like, I had to piss the entire time. <laughs> That's so, the like, problem like, with the nip game. Yeah. yeah. Brutal. So I'm like, I got to get through the credits. And the credits are pretty long. So I got through the first one. I'm like, that's great. But, but Wes said the next one's awesome. So I got to get, get, get to this. And my wife has to pee, too. So I'm like, we're both just like crossing <laughs> our legs at this point. So we have to see this. And then that shit happens. And I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me. Yeah, that was, I thought it was funny. And like, because they all don't have to mean something. And like the mid-credits scene to me was great. Because that's for the story. That furthers what's going on. It's like a preview for the next one. And then this one was just... It was good because, like, we're going to get a couple more movies. Like, they, they have plenty of time to set up Infinity War. Like, yeah. they already kind of have. So, anyway, I, I like and it I think, a lot. And I think Ragnarok is going to do that, obviously. Ragnarok Black Panther's will. not going to do it, but Ragnarok will do it. Yeah, Ragnarok will. Now, let me ask you. I know you're a huge Spider-Man 2 fan. You had said before that that is the best of the previous Spider-Man films. I would tend to agree. I, I do agree with that leading into this one. But did this top that? I... It's it's kind of to me and being a it's apples and oranges, you know I, I see them I see them on their own merit. I, I think gotta watch it again e- too before I really compare it to that one. But I yeah I'm with you. I know what you're saying. They're, they're they are different, but they're both that good. Like I would say that they're both they have their pluses and minuses, but they can I would say it cancels out. Like I think Tom Holland is a better Spider-Man than 
Tobey Maguire. He is. I think. But Dr. Octopus um, was really good in that. I, and I was going to say, I think Alfred Molina, Doc, Doc, Dr. Octopus, was a little bit better than the Vulture. But you know what's cr- but, what's great? That, like, it's unfair for Sam Raimi and Tobey Maguire and those guys, but they they don't have that Iron Man wrinkle. Like, they don't have that bigger part, of, bigger universe, already an established great character. Like, they don't have they don't they can't bring that to the table. So that might be where Homecoming for at least for me gives it the gives it the nod. I think it's the best Spider-Man. I think I I think Tom Holland is the best Spider-Man. Yes. Right. Yes. Um whether I again I would have to digest this a little bit. I saw it yesterday, so I'm going to have to digest it a little bit to know whether or not it's the best Spider-Man movie. Yes. Um because I have I don't have enough time removed from it yet, you know. Understandable. Any final thoughts on Spider-Man Homecoming before we get to the pick of the podcast? I think this is this is again um, a landmark movie for Marvel. It's uh, they took a step back from this whole like global catastrophe thing and just made a movie that fit into their universe, but also was great on its own. Um, it's a great depiction of what it's like to be a kid these days. I think, uh, and it it was just a very very well done. And kudos to all those to all those people who made it. Pick of the bomb. Pick of the bomb. Pick of the bomb. Pick of the bomb. Pick of the podcast now. Time now. Time time now. Ryan, I think my Monster Energy drink is wearing off. I will. Uh, would you like to kick, receive, defend a goal, defer? This week I will. Re- I will receive this week. Okay. What do you got? So I got two this week. So one of the things we mentioned on Twitter and and things like that. If you guys are big into Overwatch, we started using this. All of us started using this uh, app called Oversumo. Yeah, that's which good. Is, it's a free app, and one of the cool things it does, and Rich, Rich and I really like this. We've been really down on our competitive score recently, oh my God, both in nuts. numbers and emotionally. Yes. Um, but what it does is it breaks down how you play by character. So while and I, how you play, because the, the regular numbers, and I'm not uh, embarrassed to say, but I am a silver. It's not great, but I am a silver. We all are. We all are. Well, Wes. Wes, yeah, Wes is gold, but we're, we're all silver. But what it – and so – that is so weighted on it's almost entirely weighted on wins and losses whereas right. this over sumo app it's weighted on your performance so it makes you feel a lot better and it's based on character so and like character. i found out that i'm like a grandmaster diva yes you know but I, but like the mccree that i used to use all the time i'm like a silver like yeah, i'm not like, that great with him anymore right exactly and you know what i also noticed is that it ranks each day so yeah, like a, I had like a couple of gold days, then I had like a silver day, and then like I had a gold day, and then you go look at your week, and then you go within each day and look at your character. So like last night, I was like, oh shit, I was really good with like Lucio last night or whatever. Like it's, yep. so that's that is a pretty good one. And the other thing I just to make this a Spider-Man episode fully, if you liked Spider-Man: Homecoming, one of the things that I will beg you to pick up if you really like this movie, uh, they have an Ultimate Spider-Man. Uh, volume that collects like issues one through thirteen, um, and I will say the reason I'm saying this. Uh, by the way, written by Brian Michael Bendis, and nice. One of the people say in Spider-Man circles that Ultimate Ultimate Spider-Man number thirteen is one of the best Spider-Man standalone comics ever written. Wow. Um, and I would say it's drawn by Mark Bagley, who. You have the Ramitas who drew Spider-Man for a long time. Todd McFarlane, who is another heavy hitter with Spider-Man, the creator of Spawn, also created Venom. I didn't know that. It's embarrassing, but Todd McFarlane. McFarlane did. Oh yeah. 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 Um, 
but Mark Bagley is in the conversation for one of the greatest Spider-Man artists of all time. Well, and his name was in the credits. I don't know if you're about to say that, but his name. Yeah, is, yeah. In like so the, the, yeah. the the eyes moving. Yeah. Like independently, that's a Mark Bagley thing. That's like it's his trademark thing. The big eyes that move. That's cool. Yeah. So he's um, and the suit probably you know they they took a lot of that from him. So if you liked Homecoming, read Ultimate uh, Spider-Man Volume One, uh, which is episode, which is comics one through 13 and uh it's phenomenal so pick that up very nice all right my pick of the podcast i have two as well both we've mentioned on the podcast before but uh i have a little bit more information i mentioned lock and key the graphic novel series that was written by joe hill the son of stephen king uh very out there like there's no superheroes or anything in it so it's its own story it, it deals with kind of i guess sort of magic it's it's cool though like it's it's a little out there a little weird if you know that going into it it's a lot of fun, so I, I'd finally finished the series. So I think it's six collected editions. I recommend Lock and Key. And then a show I know you've been watching, Davey. I don't know if you finished it or not, but on Netflix, uh, Glow with Allison Brie. Haven't finished it yet, but it's good. I really like it, and I thought episodes three, three and four maybe. You're start, I'm like, well, maybe the show isn't as good. Like The first two I really liked, and three and four I was watching it with my wife, and we're like, eh, this show's getting a little worse. But then it picks it right back up, and it's good. It's 10 total episodes, and they're all either just over or just under a half hour. So, like, yep. you fly through. It's not 10 hours worth of stuff. It's five. And so I, I recommend Glow. Uh, next week on Hashtag Dork, I believe we have a, a, an opening there. We don't know what we're going to talk about yet. I know two weeks from now we'll be able to look back at San Diego Comic-Con. We always do a Comic-Con episode every year because yep. nobody covers San Diego Comic-Con from New England like Hashtag Dork. Absolutely. So we'll not. give you that in two weeks. Next week, maybe you have an idea. You can hit us up on Twitter at Dork Podcast. You can email us, dorkpodcast at gmail.com. Of course, you can rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And please, I don't think my heart can take another two-star review. So just just don't do that. <laughs> you know, I worry about did. the fact that we keep mentioning the two-star review, oh. so people are going to do it, like try to be funny. Trust me, it's not funny. It's, 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 a, serious, it's a serious problem. Uh, we're also on YouTube. You can check out my rant, actually. That's the most recent video. You go to YouTube.com slash Dork Podcast. We're also on Snapchat. You can buy a T-shirt at Represent.com. Then just search out Dork. You can buy a sweet Dork shirt. Uh, Davey, where can the people follow you? At Arvon D on any social media that you can get your hands on. Just get, throw me a follow. All right. There you go. Arvon D and uh, at Dork Podcast. Anything else, Ryan? No, I, I would say that this, I have a lot of emotional, this was a fun episode. There's fun. a lot of emotional investment here. So thank you for indulging me in my geeking out with Spider-Man. Well, until next week, thanks to you all for listening to Hashtag Dork.